friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it is episode 22 of the MC Lars podcast. It is Monday, January 28th. I want to thank you all for the great response to the D-Lyrical podcast. Um, Rudy from Psychopathic gave me a call. And so he had something he wanted to ask me about, but I can't reveal much about it. But the fact that Fago Lovers posted that was awesome. And uh, thanks, D-Lyrical, for posting about it. And I'm bringing Hatchet Chats back. I am going to do the Terror Wheel, which is going to come up sometime in the next month. So I'm also doing more parodies. I kind of took a break on that for a second because I wanted to see what new rap hits were coming out. And I had my Patreon songs. There's two new Patreon songs, um, patreon.com slash mclars. I'm starting a new mini-series like I did with Narnia. I, I talked about doing this, doing David Foster Wallace raps based on Infinite Jest. So that's coming up soon. If you want to hear that, hear the old ones, patreon.com slash mclars. And like I said, you get access to the entire back catalog when you sign up instantly, which is crazy, which is like... 24 hours of music or something. You can just sit in a room all day and listen to me rap at you. And there are mad podcasts. So that's what's up. That's what's going on in the world of MC Lars. I have a special offer for my podcast listeners. And like, I don't mean offer. You don't have to give me any money or anything. But if you want a free t-shirt and I'm paying for shipping, that's crazy. You Just tell me your size. You get a free MC Lars t-shirt. Listen to the very end of this podcast. I'm going to tell you how to get that free MC Lars flavor. Today's podcast is with Boy Pierce, who's a newer MC artist, rapper, who's he's been doing music for a while, but he started rapping a few years ago in earnest, I would say. And the theme of today's podcast is finding human in the context of marketing and creativity, the merge between marketing and creativity. You could look at this episode as a Venn diagram. We have humanity, marketing, and creativity. And John Rubin on his last record, he has a line, when does hustling become begging? And I think about this in the context of like Warp Tour, when we'd go out early in the morning and promote our set times to the kids in line and just really work our buns off to promote ourselves. And, and to be an artist, 40% of your time is in the marketing, maybe more. Back in the day, there was like a very few signed artists who had commercial success would only have to worry about writing songs and performing and everything else was taken care of for them. That's really not the case now for many artists. Maybe maybe a few, but even huge artists today have to be active on Instagram and YouTube. And so this, this episode is about that because Boy Pierce, I saw when I first discovered him, was a dude who was very smart with his marketing and a great performer, a really nice guy. But I learned that his day job was he worked in marketing. So he was able to take the skill set and kind of juxtapose it into his love of music and rap. And his show was was awesome when he opened for me. He's played, gosh, how many shows? We've done three shows together, I think. And um, he's played a lot of other shows with people like MC Chris, Mac Lethal, Froggy Fresh, other friends of mine. And uh, we talk about this, what it was like opening for all these different people. But it's this question here, like hip-hop was born from this postmodern mechanization of circumlocution. That sounds like a lot of like inane buzzwords, but let me break that down. Circumlocution. I talk about this in my lectures I do. Speaking around, right? So when Cool Herc first started DJing, taking two records and creating a breakbeat was an example of circumlocution. You take someone else's music to tell your own story or Grand Wizard Theodore scratching, right? It's the same thing as Hendrix playing the national anthem at Woodstock Distorted. It's this idea of taking a music and re- reappropriating it and using it to tell your old story. So hip hop is very much a postmodern culture in that way. And so 
where is the soul in all this? You know what I mean? Like going back to the origin of hip hop and it reminds me of how finding your soul in your creativity is kind of like a very lifelong pursuit. My grandpa was a pharmacist and he and my grandma ran an independent pharmacy in the Bay Area. And they were kind of a team. He'd, he'd do the medicine and my grandma helped with the displays. And they had to, they had no corporate support or corporate you know, control. They just did their own thing. But he, watching him as a kid, I learned about how he really learned how to build his own business and be his own man and figure out the element of DIY marketing. And I think about how all of this has changed and and the element of needing your business skills if you want to practice art. And how these days there's no real DIY, but back in the day, even the concept of DIY is a fallacy because you would need corporations to make the blank CDs to burn your punk music on. So I wanted to really talk to Matt, that's his real name, Boy Pierce, about how he's found the human element in what he's doing. Because he does these tributes, these um, these ultimate tributes. He did one about Nick Foles, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, football player, and he got like 70,000 views on YouTube, which is crazy, which is huge. And these days, like getting that many views on YouTube for something is awesome. So I wanted to ask him how, you know, how he got started, what keeps him continuing, and kind of relate this to my story. So, uh, yeah, shout out to him. He, when he opened for me, he brought a lot of people came out to see him, especially a lot of his colleagues. And he invited me to go see Radiohead with him when he had an extra ticket and I couldn't go, but like that was super tight. So this is my interview with Boy Pierce. He's gracious. He's kind. He's talented. Check out his music. He did a lot of great tributes. He did stuff. He did one on AOL. He did one on Seinfeld. And it's kind of funny how like when I started retro was I, you know, the MC Lars logo you see in a lot of shirts is based on the Run DMC logo. And Boy Pierce, now 10 years later, is a younger artist getting a start. Retro to him is like AOL 90s. He's very into the 90s culture. So we talk about what, we speculate on what might replace YouTube, if anything. We talk about the ins and outs of Facebook marketing. And there's kind of a confusing tangent. I talk about how he showed me how like you can geo-target your posts by taste. That's not geo-target. Target by brands people are aligned with. But some brands like Disney are protective of their brand. You can't just post a cartoon and tag fans at Disney. You have to be more specific. So we talk about how with the Roger Rabbit EP, I went into the Roger Rabbit Facebook groups to promote it and like my experience with that. So that's kind of that's confusing when we talk about that. That's the background on that. And this reflects this thing we talk about often where the, you know, the medium is the message. Brendan and I talked about it on the Weedis interviews, the, the Marshall McLuhan thing, where the medium of hip-hop and fandom and social media is also the message, right? It's like what we care about, what keeps us inspired, what we're nostalgic about in this crazy world. So, yeah, I mean, it's this, the thesis of this interview is about the new media intersection of longevity with passion and, and what helps artists survive is being a kind, nice, sincere person, which Boy Pierce is. So that's what's up with this week. Uh, the internet used to be funny, but now it's not. It's a track I did with him for his home homemade record, which we're going to play at the end. And if you want to check out the free t-shirt offer, that's what's up. Listen to the end and you'll peep it. This is my interview with Boy Pierce. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, from Wilmington, Delaware, by way of Philadelphia, here in New York, please give it up for this week's guest, Boy Pierce. So let me talk about how I met this guy. So I did a residency in uh, Brooklyn earlier this year, 
And I met Matt. He was very friendly. We came to one of the shows, and he's like, "Hey, I'm Boy Pierce. I'm opening for you next week." He, I had like a five week residency, and he was nice enough to come to one of the shows. And I checked out his music because the promoter had sent me a link to. I guess it was maybe your SoundCloud page. That or or maybe YouTube had the Seinfeld tribute come out, or was it? It had not. Home Alone. It, it was maybe Home Alone was out yeah. from the previous Christmas, and yeah. then I know NBA Jam and I think Family Matters just came out too. It was a Family Matters one. There we go. That's it. And so I watched it, and I was like, this this guy would be great to have on the show because you had a pop culture style. The way you were doing it was very DIY, and it was also like I could tell you were taking rap seriously. It wasn't like a joke. Right. I met you, and then the next week when you were on the show. You packed the house. You promoted the heck out of the show. And I think it was like the most people we had at the residency oh, man. was that show. And so I wanted to get, I was like, who is this guy? How is he so great at promotion and marketing? What's his style? And so I'm very honored to have you on the podcast because I always see everything you put out. It's, you get more and more reaction and you keep getting better. So that's some introduction. Thank you, Boy Pierce. Yeah, thank you. Congrats on the, uh, on the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. How long have you been making music? We'll start with that. So I started to kind of experiment with production programs around 2005 um, when my good friend Pat Shields, um, lifelong friend, college roommate, gave me a copy of Cool Edit Pro, and I kind of went to town on it. Um, the moment I had that and I had this, just the ability to, to customize your own mix was just something I've, I've always wanted and just never had the software to do it. I would experiment early with even cassette tapes and with exchanging with my brother and my friend and just doing weird little cuts of segments and just doing it through my boombox at that point. But Cool Edit Pro around 2005 was when I just started jumping into production. You were always like a a fan of music since you were a kid? Yeah, absolutely. My dad always played, you know, Beatles records, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, he and his uh, brother are really awesome guitarists. My brother's also a very awesome guitarist. And so it's, it's always been around me and always been something super close to me. How does hip-hop come in the mix with all this, these classic influences? So that was something that I kind of, I guess, independently stumbled upon. It was still at a time when hip-hop wasn't necessarily, you know, loved by all and necessarily the mainstream. So I got into... Wu-Tang Clan a lot, and also Notorious B.I.G., Puff Daddy, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, that whole early kind of 90s Dr. Dre that I, I assume through MTV. And you grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. What was that like there? So it's, um, it's kind of a small town like mentality. You, it's a place where you, you go to the grocery store with your mom and dad when you're home and you see like 10 people that they know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> It's, it's cool. It's really close to Philadelphia, not a far travel from New York. Delaware and North Dakota are the two states I have never played. Oh, wow. So, like, are there venues there you recommend I should look into? Yeah, there's um, a place that I've performed around the holidays a bunch of times is this place called 1984, which is a really cool barcade type place that has live shows. Yeah. So I've performed there, and there's some other places that I could definitely give you recommendations for that sounds like a perfect venue yeah a barcade oh it's awesome that's what's really interesting about what i like about your music it's you have this intersection of fandom with rap in a way that feels like i don't know if i would say nerdcore but it's like the next generation of like what what guys like chris and front lot and i like did way back in the day but it's like 
different too. It's whatever pop culture thing I'm kind of fascinated with at the time. A lot of it's timing based. Um, and not necessarily always pop culture. I did this Nick Foles Eagles tribute recently about you know my favorite sports team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but it's always just something I'm you know super passionate about. It's not necessarily a TV show. I've done film. I've done um, you know like AOL. So it's yeah. just a little bit. I you did one about fish. Yes. Yeah. That and that was one that kind of solidified this ultimate tribute, which like what I call the series. That one really took off. What was your exposure to that band? Because I'm, I'm a Closet Fish fan, too. Okay, cool. Yeah. So going back to growing up, my brother was a huge Fish fan, still is, and he would go on tour and see them live. I've seen them live a good amount of times. So it's, it's all him. It's yeah. all my brother who got me into that. Do you have a favorite album of theirs? Billy Breathes, Rift, and Hoist are probably my three favorite. I'm probably partial to the story of a ghost. Yeah, I like that one too. That was like the high school jam. Nice <laughs> for me. Yeah. But I've also I love fish because I've always been a big Primus fan and like there's mm. that Oysterhead was yes. my inroad into into fish. I love that album. <laughs> so that's pretty tight. This ultimate tribute thing could go anywhere and be about anything. And your last one about the Eagles. Player, what's his name again? Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the video's great because you're on location in Philadelphia and all these places, and that's tight. Right. Thank you. And that was the first time it's, I believe, the first time it's left the, the doors of my, you know, apartment, which normally that's kind of the setting. But yeah. this one was just so fitting. I, you know, I, I know that city very well. I lived there for five years, and me and my buddy got together and, and just decide on location. So that was that was something new, and it was it was super fun. What program do you use for editing your video? I use iMovie. When I was watching your stuff and talking to you, I was like, okay, this man has a skill set that is like a Venn diagram music, lyrics, rap, but marketing. And I learned that one of your other gigs is you work in marketing, right? Yeah, I work at a an ad agency in, um, in Midtown Manhattan. It's a creative environment where that thing isn't seen as weird like <laughs> it would at some corporate, big corporate... Uh, headquarters or something like that yeah so it's everyone's super um really encourages it and yeah a lot of them came out to that show at gold sounds back in march which was super cool of them i don't really publicize it too much there um they but inevitably they're they're gonna come across it um but i i by no means walking on day one i'm like hey i'm a rapper you know it's like a superhero thing it's more exciting when they find it on their own right correct like yo this guy matt he makes these sick videos <laughs> Right. What, so what did you major in? So oddly enough, I majored in biology. I was English for a couple years at University of Delaware in Newark, Delaware, which is about 30 minutes from Wilmington. And I started off in English and I started taking a few science classes my sophomore year and was just a lot more into them. Yeah. And I ended up just, you know, switching over to bio. And it is, it is healthcare marketing, so that it does have some science. Okay. Um, interwoven in there. How do you balance between your two lives? Because you're very active in music, more than some people I know who do music <laughs> full time. That's a great question. <laughs> so it's a matter of I've I've learned to just, just practice a lot of self discipline with it, and just making sure I'm always carving out time for it. And especially this year, I've always had a project that's that's ready, or always you know I'm on to the next concept immediately when one drops. Yeah. So I've stayed. I haven't. I haven't like gone out as much this year. I've been, you know, really good in that respect uh -huh. because I can, you know, get up early and work on music instead of sleeping in. Um, so pretty much ever since that 
that the fish one kind of popped off. That was my first, besides another song called NBA on NBC that I did in 2015. Um, the fish one just showed that there's people out he- out there yeah. who will listen to this and who will appreciate this. Yeah. Because there were not only people who really liked it, but then a lot of like, you can imagine fish fans just bashing it, which was really funny to witness <laughs> too. But just to see both of those I was like, I, I have something here. For me, rap was like also similarly a happy accident. And my inroad was doing the Shakespeare rap stuff in, yep. when I was in college. And, and it was like, that's cool because if you, I think hip hop is a culture of happy accidents. You know what I mean? Chris has a line in a song we did What is hip hop? He says, What is hip hop? Non stop mistakes. mistakes. Yeah, yeah, you know that line. Like yeah. that verse. So I thought that was like, okay, that's like something you can apply to life. And I think like, it's interesting, though, that's kind of a scientific approach, right? Like, you only create good things when you try different things. Like, who knows if things will work, but you, you follow through and you finished it. And that's like, that's 90% of, of anything in music, I think, right? Oh, 100%. And there were, there were definitely times when I was putting together that fish one where I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, like it was, I wanted to do it in a super quick time time frame and that's the other part of these releases that i try to tie them to a certain event um like the nfl season kicking off for example but the fish when i tied to them doing what they call the baker's dozen um in last summer where they did 13 shows at msg so it was i dropped it that first day so that was why like the jam bases of the world the live for live music were all over it marketing yeah and that, I'm into it. That's why in Brooklyn, there are all these. I noticed when that kicked off, there are all these uh, fish fish fans around Williamsburg. Oh, a lot yeah. of fish shirts because <laughs> everyone came to descend on it. I mean, I think the the closest thing in rap would probably be the Juggalos in terms of fandom. Oh yeah, I think like fandom is something that is endlessly you can endlessly write about and you endlessly find audiences for it. But the trick then is diversifying it, right? Like if you'd followed up with ten fish songs. I don't know. You would have been like harvesting the same field of grass. Right. <laughs> exactly. I try to I try to vary it off. What is so what is the total length of like from concept to pressing the upload on YouTube? Usually I'd say a month. That's not going at an aggressive pace. This Nick Foles one I did in one week, which was insane. Um, everything from writing to recording to shooting to editing. It did all of those pretty much in a day each. Yeah. So but usually I'd say maybe three to four weeks. Because I'll do the production on it as well, and I'll start there, and I'll sample whatever the subject is. You know, sample fish songs, or sample the Family Matters theme song. Right, right. And that's kind of the first step. And then there's, you know, a lot of research, and it's really fun, because I get to go on YouTube and rewatch all of these things that I, you know, grew up loving, and kind of revisiting it. And yeah. I take a bunch of notes, and finally have enough arsenal to actually put the rap together. And then you memorize it yes and so you memorize it and then in like like your videos you're, you're you're making the beat while you rap in your kitchen in the older ones right exactly how long does it usually take you to edit it or is it easy because you've already like performed this song in its entirety the video editing takes it takes a decent amount of time yeah um but i i download all of the i like rip all the clips that i want to reference throughout it what you know say that's a television series like Seinfeld tribute yeah and it depends on the amount of of angles I have going on the Nick Foles one had like five different locations yeah whereas Seinfeld is just one stationary one that I just had on a, a tripod so that one 
I mean, I guess once you get in, it'll take like a few days. When you care about the subject matter, you have that inspiration, right? Right. The passion doesn't go away. Exactly. Like, I could very well do some subject that's trending that I don't really care about, and maybe it gets a bunch of looks, but that wouldn't be fun at all for me. I just, <laughs> that's the, the thing I've always kept consistent is just making sure the subject matter, sure, it, it should have a good audience size, but it, it has to be something that's you know, personal and, and fun for me to do. And that's the cool thing about being able to balance. You're, you're very good with your time, I, I've noticed, because you these videos, I'm sure you're, you're making money from it, but you don't rely on it completely to like survive yet. Right. Would you want to do it full time if it ever happened? Yeah, if, if that decision is there, that would be awesome yeah. to, to have that. I mean, what I have now is is something I've always wanted, something I've always you know dreamed of, making music, so... Having the existing platform is just means so much. And yeah, it keeps growing. So I'm excited to see what's next. It's interesting how sometimes for me, when I try to do a pop culture thing and tie it into something that I feel like is super momentous, like on the last record we did on my zombie dinosaur record, I did we did the Game of Thrones song and then I did a Star Wars song, both in conjunction with like the release of the, the new season and the Star Wars ah, thing. Smart. The Star Wars one, I found people have had enough Star Wars rap. <laughs> you want to make sure you don't hit something that's oversaturated. Right. But all of the things you've touched on are surprising. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I, I do do as part of the process is look if anyone has, has done this at a major scale. Uh. So I'll, before I did Seinfeld, I was you know, Googling Seinfeld hip hop or Seinfeld rap. And there was people who made a beat out of the theme, but nothing similar to, to what I was aiming for. Right, right. So that's, to your point, something I always look for just to make sure it hasn't been done. You know, I'm not copying someone or it's not seen as that in the eyes of the viewer. On your uh, homemade project, which is on Spotify, uh, you're, it's a record where your songs are... It's kind of more about your life. It's not so fandom driven, right? It definitely was. I mean, I see a lot of the the tributes as kind of, you know, use a marketing term, brand awareness, if you will, where it's, you know, you have such a further reach than doing, you know, your traditional like, hip hop songs. So I, I definitely purposefully wanted to make it, you know, a solid hip hop record um, just to be like my brand coming through and not necessarily rapping about different pieces of like pop culture. And also some of the stuff I'm sure like when you sample, it's hard to put on Spotify, right? Exactly. Like yeah. none of, exactly. None of the Save of the Bell, none of those are um, on Spotify or iTunes just because yeah. of the samples. But the cool step with this newest Nick Foles one is that I worked with this producer named Rel McCoy out of Canada who's like awesome. I stumbled upon his stuff and we've, um, you know, I've gotten some beats off of him, and this is the first one. So this one is on um, iTunes. That's an interesting step that you could do ultimate tributes with non-sampled beats. Exactly. One of the things I like to do is reference a genre. Exactly. So that's kind of the natural next step of perhaps going, not entirely, but, you know, getting some more original instrumentation that I can have on my Spotify and iTunes. I think we have this, like, kinship of, like, both writing about what we're passionate about, both something I also noticed at the show is that you were very nice to every person who came to the merch booth. You were very engaged and appreciative about every single fan. And I think like that's super important. I was talking about that with Jesse Dangerously. Like 
that's that's that is as important as of the music, if not more. So how you treat your fans, right? right? Yeah, and I noticed that you excel at that. You know, thanks. Um, from that that first show, I came at Gold Sounds and met. You were just you know super genuine. You know, I've opened for a good amount of like rappers and have done sh- like showcases with rappers and like. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate, you know, the interest you've taken and um, you've been like a great dude. Thank you, man. I, yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, it's like that's where this intersection of new media and like long term existing in an artistic way transcends that because it's about those human connections, those human relationships. What can go beyond the fact that like we're here consuming this experience of this person rapping? Mm-hmm. And like, what I also liked about your show was when you passed out the sheet of paper where you had everyone write suggestions. Tell the, tell the audience about sure, that. Sure, sure. It's, ca- it's called the Clipboard Freestyle. I started doing that years ago, and I do it at every show now. Um, so I have a sheet of paper with 10 blanks on it, and it says, Boy Pierce should freestyle about, and there's 10 spaces, and I give it out to the crowd pretty early in the show. Yeah. And... Just encourage them to whatever comes to mind, you know, just get crazy with it. And then at the end of the show, I close with just freestyling about exactly what the crowd recommended, those 10 things. Sometimes Megaran and I do the this object freestyle where people hold stuff up, which like is like such an old school rap trope. But the written one is you allow the audience to really think. And that's cool that you don't rush them because sometimes you get like keys and a pen and just un... un Boring things, you know what I mean? That's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> we do the object freestyle. Huh. So yeah, that's that's what some Mega Rand saw this guy Flex Matthews do, who was Coach Dill's hype man. Hmm. And then Mega Rand started doing it. Then when I was started touring with him, we both started doing it. And then I started doing it like on my own shows. But I tried to, you know, you like that's fun because it's instantaneous, but I'd never seen the uh the sheet, the the written one, hmm. which is tight. Um okay. I want to talk about, so you've had some, you've opened recently, you opened for MC Chris recently, right? Yes. And where, where did he play? He played Knitting Factory? So it was supposed to be Knitting Factory and there was this whole venue. I, I never got the full story of what uh. happened, but it ended up being at El Cortez uh. instead. So, but yeah, that was still, that was still an awesome show. And the crowd that was there, it was, it was a good size. And I remember I was, I was opening, which sometimes... You know, people are obviously there for the headliner, and they're like, yeah. this guy's like, it, you know, he's in my way until Chris comes on in this case. But they were so awesome that immediately when I got up there, everyone went from sitting to just right up at the stage. Yeah. So the I remember that being a, a really engaged crowd. I bet you killed it. It was fun. I wrote I wrote Chris. I was like I was like I can't believe you had Boy Pierce. He he killed it in my show. I'm sure he killed it in yours. And like oh cool. I was like good job. But um. What I like about his fans is they are, right, they're respectful because I think some of them don't, and this is not a diss, some of them don't go to a lot of rap shows or a lot of shows. So when they come out, it's like a empty blank slate, you right. know? But then they're very honest because since they don't see a lot of shows, they'll be honest if, if they don't like it or they're not engaged. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, and I, I saw a kind of a documentary, I guess, that he did or someone produced, and it kind of showed just the... Um, his fans, I guess, go to thirty shows. It's it's crazy. So right, right, pretty cool. They're very loyal. Yes, absolutely. And and then you open for Mac Lethal, right? 
Yes, and Mac Lethal and Wax, same Whoa. show. So that was really cool. Mac Lethal, I see as, you know, his career is so interesting because he was an underground freestyler guy and then signing with Rhyme Sayers and now mm. being like the touchstone of what you can do. Him and Watsky with like what you can do with viral rap. And I guess Wax too, but like Mac, it's similar to you because it's like his about being about something topical and being a performance and like he's in his space. Mm -hmm. There's something engaging and dope about that, like watching a super awesome rapper in a comfortable place and like having a context for it. Right. Yeah. He does a really good job at that. And I guess the Watsky and Mac Lethal thing that's it's just how fast they do it. Like yeah. Watsky raps fast was his first one, like one of his first ones that really popped off. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's immediate attention grabber. Like wow, like that cho- that quick choppy style, which six years ago was like the only way to get heard. Right. And I don't hear people doing that as much, right, these days. Other than them, who have like made it their brand. Yeah, it's kind of now the style is about being like chill and melodic. Right. <laughs> And on heroin. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but that's not funny. But um, that, like, that, what I, but what impressed me about Mac is how he tours and how he's like, he's bridged the whole, the two worlds of internet rapper and then like, like touring guy. And like, yeah, he is, he inspires me a lot. How was his show tight? Yeah, it was really good. He yeah. was, it, it was just, just him. There was no DJ. He had his laptop. Right. And he was, really great with the crowd he's really funny yeah on the mic that's the first time i ever saw him live and just he would i guess he's not a fan of like the put your hands in the air he's like i, I don't care if you do that and he did this song about um like quit your job or whatever that that song was awesome that he did live and he's like i'm inspiring one person in this room to like quit your job tomorrow <laughs> so he was he was really funny and he put on a really good show and waxed it as well yeah, Wax. Um, I know, I know Wax because he did what th- that song with Watsky, "Give a Hater a Hug." That's the song. That's what I know about him. But I'm, I'm not as up on him. But he's dope, right? I've only heard good things about. Yeah, him. Yeah, he's super talented. He, I looked back at kind of his catalog, and he it seems like he started off just doing his like, driving around and doing these dope freestyles over his car stereo beat like with his buddy in the passenger seat filming it oh cool so those are just super cool and even did some of those live and they have millions of views so i think that's how he you know i guess his unique approach and how he got in and he's like does he have a band or is he no he had he had a dj yeah then this fall you're opening for froggy fresh or did that happen that is happening this fall that'll be tight so that's another youtube (laughs) viral rapper yeah um, and again, you putting me in touch with that opportunity was beyond huge because I've been following Froggy Fresh for a long time and just love his projects and yeah. the creativity. And I learned that this is going to be the last Froggy Fresh show. Yeah. Oh, oh, last the show. The Knitting Factory ever. Oh, my God. Because he's um, transitioning into... He's been posting these really cool piano ballads that right. are original songs by Tyler Cassidy, his name. Yeah. And it, they've been super impressive. So. And I saw like T-Pain hit him up about wanting to produce one or really? something. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's what I heard. But yeah, so super he, talented. So he's kind of like, he wants to move away from like the, the, the comedy stuff, I guess. Yes. So, so this, wow. So you're playing his last ever show. Yeah. That's what he announced recently. It's last last tour. That's crazy. Which is wild. It sounds like they've kind of 
outgrown it a little bit. It sounds like his brother went off to college who ran the film. Yeah. And I think the Moneymaker Mike guy is his younger brother's age and also went off to college. So it sounds like they've, you know, I almost outgrown the project and things I've seen him post. They got, you know, I I, I played with them at the um, ICP's Dark Carnival Games, yeah. Games Con, and he is one of Shaggy Two Dope's favorite rappers. That That's what the host said when he announced him. And, like, they get so much <laughs> love from the Juggalos because I think it's this the character of, like, so much of rap is, like, the empowerment. But But in that scene... It's the empowerment of like the weird outcasts. And right. here's the kid who like is uh, combative on the mic, but also has like real heart. And we can kind of like that Calvin and Hobbes thing, you can relate to like this timeless child character. Right. But then he's in his like 20s, so or like, mid 20s, I guess. So it's like you can under, you can see why he doesn't want to be that kid forever. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but I'm definitely sad to see it see it move on. I'm a huge fan of those videos, and I mean the yeah. way he rolled out everything was so smart. How he branded this character and kind of fooled everyone, <laughs> thinking know. like, "Oh, this kid's some doofus." Turns out he was valedictorian of his high school. So and, that, and no one knew like with the uh, the baddest right right and no one knew for a while the whole thing where he had to change from Krispy Kreme <laughs> yeah that was like press too like yeah. it was like what's the story with this guy yeah I'm glad you got, you're on that show because his fan I, I opened for he did a short uh, Southern run where I opened for him last year and like his fans it's similar to MC Chris fans they don't <laughs> go to a lot of shows but they're younger. So they like clean rap and or like educational or whatever nerdy rap. They're really like really receptive. So okay, you'll have a good show. But I also I imagine in Florida, where open from in Florida, it's different demographic than the Brooklyn audience for sure. I'm I'm really interested to see what the audience is like, yeah. and then I'm gonna have to really think about what songs I can and can't do. Like, are they gonna know what AOL is? So I'll have to think. I'll have to think a little bit about that. They're like, what's he talking about? You have that great sticker. It's the AOL man it says Boy Pierce. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a winner. Thanks. It's like um, when I start, you know, when I started, it was like retro for for me ten years ago was Run DMC, and now retro for you is AOL. Right. It's like it's like it's it's kind of cool how like every ten years, the uncool things becomes cool again from twenty years ago yeah. or whatever. Um, okay, well, speaking of the progression of time, where do you see yourself in five years? Or even 10 years. And like, what are your dreams with the Boy Pierce project? Because I'm inspired by every time I see you post something, like I feel like sky's the limit for you. So where do you, where do you imagine it going? So I've thought, I mean, obviously thought at length about it. And just the idea of, you know, a tour once, you know, a, a reasonable fan base is there would be extremely cool to do. And something that I haven't done to date. And... I think some kind of um, almost a partnership with with if either it's like a TV show or sports league or something like that, I think could be so cool where these things are already getting traction on their own. Yeah. But to have some kind of co-sign where I can actually work with, you know, a different organization would be super cool because going back to what we were talking about with like my marketing job, they're cool enough where... I do like rap videos to promote the company. Like I've wow. done a few oh, and wow. like for the summer party or the yeah. holiday party or something like that. And they even submitted one to like an awards thing and it was a finalist. So good job. Um, so that just working in that capacity with a company doing it is 
really cool as well to kind of promote their brand. Um, so any kind of partnership in tandem with, you know, a tour or just continued shows would be just super dope. So you enjoy like the performing element a lot, it seems Yeah, like. I do. What I like about your show is I could hear and understand every word. Oh, and nice. That's rare because sometimes like rap is about more the attitude than like the performance. That's an interesting point because that's something I see guys like Megaran have done with Organic Brand Alliance with like Capcom and now wrestling. And so if you are passionate about something and you do it consistently, it sounds like that's, that's smart, man. You're open to it happening organically, which is the best way for it to happen. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's a great example. He's really excelled at that with starting with the Mega Man projects and clearing those samples and just working directly with Capcom, I guess it is. So that's that's so cool. Also, I want to thank you for you backed our, our Kickstarter. Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was cool to, to see your see your name on there. Nice. No, that was I'm very excited to, for that project. So how about in ten years, where where do you hope to be? Oh man. Uh, hopefully just, you know, well-established with, with music and having just an awesome catalog where, you know, it's, I'm super proud of it. And just having, you know, fans who like, who are passionate about it and who will buy the product, buy the merch and come to shows and just having, you know, that personal relationship would, would be a huge, huge win for me. That's cool. So like, you you're you're pretty much putting out what a song a month now or more just about so then you probably you'll have hundred plus yeah. new songs <laughs> and videos yeah that's cool fingers I wa- crossed I wonder where it will all go like will YouTube still be the main platform or what are your thoughts on that you know that's a great question because it seems like there's more and more outlets and the way Facebook is prioritizing their video views and their player. Um, kind of away from YouTube. So that's a super interesting question. Um, I mean, it's still the number one video streaming platform, I believe. Yeah. So I... And Google having being uh, having that Google alliance doesn't hurt at all. Oh, no. And so it's like the two, Google versus Facebook is like the fight here, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Do you think that one will ever subsume the other? Or is it too much like Marvel versus DC? They're too established independently. I would say the latter. yeah. Probably. I mean, I think the targeting will keep getting better. I mean, I've definitely taken advantage of it with some of the sponsored posts that have gained a lot of traction because of the targeting that you can do. So I've for sure seen seen some good benefits off of that. So when you do a targeted ad or video, what what are some things you found that work and what are some things that don't work as well? So I've found that just really keying in on the interests based on the subject matter is, is huge. For example, if it's, you know, the Seinfeld tribute, I can specifically target people who like the show, people who follow Jerry Seinfeld, people who follow Jason Alexander. Like on Facebook? Yeah. So how do you do that? That's, it's, that's awesome. Oh, it's, it's awesome. It's all, it's a category where you can, ch- you, I mean, you can get as specific as you want. You can get, you can choose age range, you can choose the geographical location, but what I was saying was um, there's an interests category where oh. you type in and based on, you know, fan pages, it gives you an estimated reach of, you know, whatever, 100,000 because of this spend and the um, the pages that you're kind of pulling from in terms of interests. So, yeah, yeah, you can get you can get a good spread 
from that for with the, the eagle song i did you know i was able to market that as well um, in that fashion do they i found like Facebook though also wants to be a little protective. Like I, I did recently did the, the Roger Rabbit EP. Yeah, and um, I, I'm in some Roger Rabbit fan pages and stuff where I posted it, and this is really interesting and cool to me. Like these are the hacks that like that we can all help each other learn from, and our listeners can learn from, like about how you exist and thrive in this new economy. Because it sounds like you figured that out. That's genius, dude. Like Jason Alexander fans and Seinfeld fans, of course they're gonna love a, tr- a rap tribute to them. <laughs> it's like awesome. Thanks. <laughs> So finally, I wanted to ask two things. What are your plans for 20? Do you have any like specific plans for 2019? And any advice you might have to uh, up and coming musicians, performers, content creators? But the first thing, what after your Saved by the Bell tribute, do you have any other um, things on deck? You know, this producer that I, that I t- spoke to you about earlier, Ral McCoy, um, you know, I've gotten gone back and forth with him on a few projects. So I'm still figuring out if it's going to be in the vein of a tribute or if it's going to be just a, a small EP perhaps within, you know, the next year for sure. Cool. But I'm, I mean, I'm going to continue to push the um, kind of the tribute angle and like continue to go that route. And hopefully, you know, the likes keep going up whenever there's a new one, there's like a few hundred more likes on my page. So that's been a really cool trend that I'm just going to continue. And the fact that it's like, it's inspiring other people. I think seeing you rap in your kitchen or whatever is like, oh, this guy's passionate about something. He's rapping about it. Like, this inspires me to do something similar. Mm. That's how I've been inspired by so like so many people to in the music world. You know, not only hip hop but outside of that. So just to have have that as you know possibility is is really awesome. So what would you say to like, let's say a high school kid or someone or a college kid was like, all right, Matt, I see you crushing it with these social <laughs> media projects. What, what advice can you give me for, for doing something in my lane? Yeah, I mean, I would tell them to, you know, be you. Don't, you know, don't try to force something that's, you know, trendy in terms of both your subject matter as well as your beat production I, what was interesting about what you in front a lot were talking about, which I agree with, is that trends in hip hop production seem to just flip every three months, right, and yeah. people follow that. But you know, I've also tried to just stay completely clear of that, and you know, attaching yourself to a certain sound that's that's not you know going to be something that's long term. So I would say, you know, find if it's music, you know, find that your niche, you know, your sound, so you can you know, market yourself and really stand out and kind of like cut through the clutter because there's so much, so much content out there with, you know, people being able to independently record and release music that you really need to differentiate. So, you know, being you and, you know, it takes a lot of time. Patience is huge um, and just commitment of time and, you know, sacrificing certain things is, is, a, is a very real reality that you really have to do to make headway. Well, and that's going back to the beginning of our interview. You talked about how when you started seeing you had all these fans finding your music, you then made the conscious effort to spend your free time doing your art. And that's like, right, that's a huge thing, right? What are you willing to sacrifice for these projects? And is it worth going out and partying with your friends or is it worth having another awesome song in your catalog, right? Right. And I think for me, like that was always the... uh, decision I made in college where some of my friends, you know, maybe they enjoyed college more and then they 
they did more traditional jobs, but having something you record and created will last forever. And that's like an ultimately like, yeah, I always think it's like better to create more and consume less, I think is always my opinion. I don't mm, know. <laughs> I like that. And like, yeah, every, you know, like totally inspired by your rollout of things and you've been, you know, hitting it consistently with like the green screen videos and like the hatchet was a hatchet talk. Yeah. Yeah. Hatchet chat. Yeah. So, but your regularity of, of, you know, churning those out has been like super impressive and inspiring. Thanks, Matt. The feeling is mutual. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, I think it's like, it's really cool that you are watching you do your thing that we're both in the city that we're, um, both grinding and balancing everything. And, um, where do you recommend people? Where do you like to direct people most other than your YouTube channel? So that's, yeah, that's definitely the primary one. I would say Spotify for sure, especially to hear the, the latest album homemade, which came out in July. Um, so definitely check that out. There's also, I have all of my stuff ever on Bandcamp from back when I was doing mashups in 2005 wow. before I even started writing my lyrics and and jumping into like rap. And so then that the cool thing here is that that girl talk element of like your friends like it, you can give it away on the internet. You're not going to get a cease and desist. Like it's it's fandom in that way and that you're a fan of the music and so that's like you're on the edge of the new frontier there. You didn't have to worry about selling it, right? Because <laughs> right. you couldn't. Yeah. yeah, it was all, you know, leading up to what I do now. You know, it was all like learning the ins and outs of mixing and tempos. You know, yeah, all that. Now you can, and now you can monetize it and put more of yourself in it, which is like the great thing about rap, right? Like the biggest selling point of hip hop is: is it authentic? Well, two things: is it authentic, and like, can I relate to it? I feel like is important. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's, okay, so, uh, Boy Pierce, let's end with, we'll play uh, our collab from your album. This is, The Internet Used to Be Funny. Would you mind talking a little bit about, like, what inspired this song? Because I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you asked me to be on this song. Oh, I'm, I was thrilled to have you on it. Um, I loved your verse. It's awesome. And Thanks. the the inspiration was just this thing that we're surrounded by all the time between always being connected and always being on your smartphones and social media and just comparing that to, I guess, early 2000s internet where it was more so those viral videos, you know, the leprechaun in Mobile, Alabama and, yeah. um, and Bub salad Rub. fingers. Yeah, Bub Rub. Just those classic things that were so fun and anyone could relate to regardless of like your beliefs. And now I just, I feel like, I get bummed out whenever I'm on social media because people arguing like in front of everyone. And it's just, it bums me out for sure. And I, it, it's kind of dialing it back to um, when the internet was funny from my perspective. And I like, I like uh, disconnect me from the internet. I'm getting sick and stressed. We need to sit and rest. Did I quote yeah, that you, right? Yeah, you got that. that. That line is fresh because it's like, so I did a comic about this the other day on my Tumblr. Like the best reaction we can have when we're stressed out is just to freaking unplug for a second, and that's what I love about this. As a tangent, this podcast medium is like allows me to have face to face time with my friends where we're not online, we're not communicating digitally. It's this human thing, and then our audience, you guys listening at home, 
get to have this like this private moment where Matt and I are discussing about our our beliefs and our thoughts and it's 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 like a perfect balance because it's you guys care enough to listen and we care enough about each other to make this time for each other. And I think that like that is one of the cool things about the internet is finding new mediums that are the good things about the internet mm. or like a song like this that that is nostalgic and and optimistic about where it can all go, right? Yeah. Because I feel like this song is optimistic ultimately, that there are still good things about the internet. Right. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And is it boypierce.com? Yes. Okay, cool. So stay up on this kid because he's got a lot of great stuff coming out and I'm always, it always makes me happy when he puts out new stuff. So Matt, thank you for rolling through, man. Man, thank you so much and congrats on the uh, the success. I'm really pumped for the Mega Ram and, and, and your collaboration record. Thanks, and, man. Uh, man, thanks for you know taking an interest. Well, I always will, and I'll, I'll tweet, and I'll, I'll, when you post stuff, I always like to uh, spread the word. So, uh, yeah, so thank you, man. Okay, well, we'll end with some great flavor, boypierce.com. Peace. The internet used to be funny, but now it's not. The internet used to be funny, but now it's not. Disconnect me from the internet. I'm getting sick and stressed. Me need to sit and rest. I remember it was cool. A friend, a friend from high school. A nice dude. Now he posts political views. And people sit in they stew. I want a funny video. Maybe animals doing backflips versus tragic. Depressing statements. Typing in the basement. On a sunny day, I would rather run away to the park or the beach. Or just start on some beats. Hit the arcade or the library offline carry conversations call your mom on her born day don't post a paragraph that's a sore play enjoy the concert enjoy the ball game you were publicizing it and missed the long play i miss leprechauns in mobile alabama i miss salad fingers and i think i want a hand a resignation to the memes and the gifts lift up my spirits once again these ain't real a thousand friends cause the internet used to be funny but now it's not the internet used to be funny but now it's not disconnect me from the internet i'm getting sick and stressed we need to sit and rest Kermit sipping tea, perform on the screen. Jordan crying tears, perform earning cheers. Willy Wonka, most interesting man. I prefer an everlasting gobstopper in my hand versus mobile device. I slouch when I type. I'm being so rude to peeps in the room. Cram it in the couch, cushion man. I ain't about looking silly on the street, watching video on screen. Social media a mess with the trolls. Seems I'm getting more depressed as I scroll. People check it while in line, Trader Joe's. On elliptical, they glide and they post. Vacation photos, you should go relax. Play Kate and Forgo, cause we're going mad. Have a conversation with a human being, and I'm guilty myself. Turn this off and rebel. The internet used to be funny, but now it's not. The internet used to be funny, but now it's not. Disconnect me from the internet. I'm getting sick and stressed. Me need to sit and rest. The internet used to be funny, but now it's not. The internet used to be funny, but now it's not. Disconnect me from the internet. I'm getting sick and stressed. Me need to sit and rest. Remember whistle tips? Remember chocolate rain? It was 2003 before the internet was lame. Nerdcore was new. I was riding on a wave. To make my second album cost his kid 30k anyway. Nowadays, you can get a Fiverr mix for a 20 spot and post it up and get a million hits. I'm not saying it's a bad thing now that everyone's a rapper, but our culture's in decline. Streaming live to the laughter and back before Napster, we trade MP3s on Zip. 
scientists, I'm serious, we'd watch MTV for the music, yo, that's crazy, then they gates got smashed. Streaming killed the record stores, we knew they'd never last. Fun a lot, showed me Twitter back in 2008. Now it's wrecking more careers than a trip to Watergate. Heard Roseanne lost her show, poppin' ambient, she's frantic. R.I.P. the internet, boy Pierce, you know it's tragic. Thank you, boy Pierce, that was awesome. I want to shout out some of the Patreon supporters, keeping this going. Shout out to T. Diamond, Melissa S., and Brian, thank you all very much. Some of the older Patreon supporters, shout out to some of the OGs, Austin, Lowell, and Eric. Thank you all very, very much. Next week, we have an interview with Sam Salerno. He's a teacher, a poet, a musician from the Monterey Peninsula area who was uh, very influential on me because when I was a seventh grader, he was my English teacher, and he knew I was into like Marilyn Manson, a lot of gothic you know, music like Pantera and a lot of metal. So he bought me a Rush album and just put it on my desk one morning and said, here you go, this is for you. And then he and my dad and I went to see Rush in San Jose and he always remained like a very important person in my life. So over the Christmas break, I interviewed him and uh, it was really cool to sit down with a teacher who had a big impact on me, who's still teaching, who's still writing, creative guy who really made a huge, you know, changed my life. So Sam Salerno, amazing author, teacher, performer that's next week have a great week everyone thanks for listening uh i really appreciate y'all support patreon.com slash mc lars we got the david foster wallace infinite jest raps coming your way nerdcoretour.com i'll be in the uk this spring in april with cuckoo kangaroo and then i'm doing a may u.s tour in some markets we really hardly ever play and i can't say who it's with but if you see my last few u.s tours you might speculate the announcement's coming soon Thank you all very much. Shout out to Boy Pierce. Peace. Oh, and if you want, a lot of you are like, hey, what about the free shirt? Here's what you do. I need you to go to the uh, Apple Podcasts, write a review of the show. You can hate, if you hate the show, it's fine. If you like the show, that's even better. Write the review, post review, screenshot it, and email it to me at lars at mclars.com. That's my email. It's on the website, but lars at mclars.com. Screenshot the uh, review. Tell me your shirt size your address, and you will get a free MC Lars shirt if you want to do that for me. So let's see. Uh, let's see how many people do this, but uh, I appreciate it. Screenshot the iTunes review, Apple Podcasts, and we'll get it popping with the free merchandise while supplies last. This is only for this week. If if you're listening to this later, this is only for January. So yeah, this is if you've somehow listened to this in the future, I'm, I'd love a review, but I'm, I won't be able to send any shirts after like February 1st. That's the cutoff for this. Okay. Thank you all. Uh, peace. Take care.